Enhanced environmental efforts company-wide and in the parks, pirates that are breaking camp, and reports of a rat being spotted in one of Walt Disney World's premier restaurants, much to the delight of guests. We'll take a quick visit to the rumor mill and two possible changes and additions coming to dining and reservations. But the biggest news coming out of the Disney company this week was the big reveal of the RU23 campaign, as Disney announced D23 the all-new official community for Disney enthusiasts. With so much to cover and discuss about this important new club and all of its offerings and benefits, I gathered other members of the online community to discuss it in a roundtable format. Ryan Wilson and Chuck Lionberger join me as we take an in-depth look at the club, its elements, content, future, and much more. I'll preface our discussion by playing clips from the press conference held by Stephen Clark, head of D23, Dave Smith of the Walt Disney Archives, and Marty Sklar of Walt Disney Imagineering. I'll announce the winner and answers to last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest and test you once more with questions and a bonus challenge with a special prize this week as well. Stay tuned to the end of the show for some more announcements as well as some of your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. There's a lot of news coming out of the Walt Disney Company this week, and we're going to start outside the parks because I asked you last week to weigh in and tell me what you thought or would like to see the two new Disney Cruise Line ships that were being built be named. Well, the Walt Disney Company announced just last week the new names for the Disney Cruise Line ships being built in Germany. Disney Chief Executive Officer Bob Iger said during the company's annual shareholder meeting that the Disney Dream will begin sailing in 2011 and the Disney Fantasy will join the fleet in 2012. Both new ships are going to begin by sailing out of Port Canaveral through at least 2014 joining the existing Magic and Wonder vessels. Now, as to what happens to the Magic and Wonder when these new ships arrive in port is anybody's guess, as Disney has not released a plan or itinerary. One could speculate that one of the ships could head out to the West Coast, possibly San Diego or Los Angeles, while the others might remain in Florida with destinations in the Caribbean or possibly even somewhere across the Atlantic. But if you don't want to wait for the new ships, 
Now is the time to cruise if you have kids because there is a kids set sale at half off special going on right now where children 12 and under get 50% off the prevailing cruise fare when traveling with two full fare guests in the same stateroom on sale dates between April 11th and May 17th. For more details, you can check out the Disney Cruise Line website or your favorite travel agent. Moving over to the parks, Disney's healthier choice menu in the parks is definitely being well-received by guests. In 2006, Disney began changing some items on their theme park menus to make healthier dishes not only available, but the default selection for kids' meals, such as apple slices instead of french fries and milk instead of soda. Well, Disney now says that the majority of its guests are picking the nutritious option as 65% of guests at Walt Disney World and Disneyland ordered the healthier side dish and 68% ordered the healthier drink last year during Disney's fiscal fourth quarter, which runs between July and September. Guests at Disney's overseas parks were even more health conscious, as in Hong Kong Disneyland, 98% chose the healthier side and 96% chose the healthier drink. Over in Paris, 85% chose the healthier drink, although only 15% picked the healthier side. Speaking of being healthy, Disney doesn't just want to help their guests, but they also want to help the planet stay healthy as well, as their environmental efforts over the past 60 years make them pioneers and industry leaders. And just last year, all of the Walt Disney World resorts were awarded approval from the Florida Green Lodging Program because of their recycling and cleaning efforts. Well, now the company has released a new environmental goal of cutting the amount of greenhouse gases the company emits into the atmosphere worldwide in half by 2012. They're also looking to reduce electricity consumption by 10% and to cut the amount of debris sent to landfills in half. The ultimate goal is to produce zero waste and net zero greenhouse gas emissions. They also plan to plant more trees to offset emissions, which are going to help the company with their long-term green goals. To learn more or to have your family take Disney's Environmentality Challenge, you and your family can head on over to environmentality.com. I'll put that link in the show notes this week. And back to the restaurants for another bit of news. Effective March 1st, 2009, the cost of membership in Disney's Tables in Wonderland program has increased slightly. Tables in Wonderland, formerly known as the Disney Dining Experience, not the Disney Dining Program, entitles members to receive a 20% discount on all food and beverage, including alcohol, for up to 10 people at participating table service Disney restaurants. Now, as of January 2008, a charge of 18% gratuity was added to all transactions, regardless of party size. And now, as of March 1st, 2009, over at Victorian Alberts, a 20% gratuity is going to be added to all transactions, again, regardless of party size. The program is open only to Florida residents or Disney pass holders. Regular annual membership in the program is now $100 for Florida residents who are not annual pass holders. And annual pass holders can purchase Tables in Wonderland for $75 a year. If you'd like an additional card, you can purchase one for a spouse or a partner for $50. For membership, for card information, you can call Disney at 407-566-5858, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 or you can email www.disney.dining.experience at disney.com. You can also visit guest relations at any of the theme parks or downtown Disney to purchase your Tables in Wonderland card. Moving over to Epcot, 
rats have been spotted in one of Disney's high-end restaurants. And believe it or not, guests aren't only happy about it, they're looking for it. Because it's not just any rat. No, it's a life-size, or I guess rat-size, moving and talking, squeaking, version of our favorite little chef, Remy from Ratatouille. The smallest member of Disney's Living Character Initiative, Remy comes out on a rolling cart and appears from under a serving tray lid. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there are photos and videos out there online, and uh, I may just have to pay our friend a little visit next time I'm in town. One more quick note, staying at Epcot, the Inferno Barge, which is the big flame barge at the beginning of Illuminations, did make its return to uh, Illuminations earlier in this week, so it is back after its uh, about month-long refurbishment. So if you're missing the barge, it is back as part of the nighttime show. Moving outside the theme parks for just a bit, this year the Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFL franchise said a number of goodbyes. First, to their playoff hopes. Don't kill me, I'm a Giants fan, we choke too. Then to their coach, John Gruden. And now they're saying goodbye to Mickey and Walt Disney World because the Bucks, led by new coach Raheem Morris, will be moving their training camp to the $36 million team headquarters this summer and not the Celebrations Hotel and facilities over at Disney's Wide World of Sports, marking the first time they've done this in the past eight years. Their new facility, which is located about a quarter of a mile from Raymond James Stadium, has plenty of space for the team thanks to an empty site that was once home to the Tampa Bay Mall. Before I wrap up the news this week, let's take a quick detour over to the Walt Disney World rumor mill and back to dining for just a minute as the rumor mill was fueled by an article in last week's Orlando Sentinel that seems to point to Iron Chef Kat Cora planning to open a restaurant, possibly in the theme parks in Walt Disney World, in 2010. Disney has not yet confirmed this rumor, and the page on the Sentinel has since been removed, so we'll definitely keep our eyes and ears open for more on this. Finally, Walt Disney World is set to be introducing a new reservation system called A La Carte, which stands for Applications for Celebrations, Activities, Recreation, and Special Events to replace the current dining reservation system. This is going to allow not just cast members, but guests and travel agents to make dining reservations online. It's also going to allow a cast member who is working in a guest's reservation to see what type of room and dining package they have and help them out with reservations, etc., that match the guest's preference. So, For example, if they have the dining plan, they can now make appropriate event and dining recommendations. It's also going to help speed things up as it's going to be able to check multiple dining locations at once, store them in a shopping cart type system, then book them all at once. This will prevent them from having to go back and put in information more than once when they're trying to make their reservations. Bookings have already begun using the new system for all dates after May 26th. Events before then still use the old system and are not available for online bookings. We'll look for an official announcement from Disney when guests can start using this on the Disney World website for their own online dining reservations. So that will do it for the news this week. If you have any news that you want to share, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or as always, to talk about anything that you've heard on the news, please come by the forums over at wdwradio.com.
Several months ago, at the end of 2008, Disney fans and online communities began to wonder and speculate on what Disney's new RU23 campaign was all about. Rumors began to emerge and spin wildly out of control and ran the gamut from the simple to the really improbable. But on March 10th, 2009, the answer was revealed in the form of a press release, news conferences, a new website, and the launch of the all-new D23, the quote, official community for Disney fans. And reaction to the announcement was as quick as the speculation that preceded it, and many Disney enthusiasts, like myself, were quick, and speaking for myself, proud to become first-day members of this new club. So, to discuss all of what D23 is, its benefits, and much, much more, are two other people who have been on the show in the past and also help feed the need for fresh Disney content with their blogs, and that's Ryan Wilson from the Main Street Gazette and Chuck Lionberger, the Disney Daddy. Guys, welcome to the show. Hi, Lou. Glad to be back. All right, so before we get into our discussion about and the reactions to D23, with the permission of Disney, I wanted to replay some relevant portions of a telephone press conference that was held on March 10th, just a couple of hours after the initial official announcement from Disney came out, so that the listeners can hear for themselves from the principles of D23 exactly what it's all about. And this is not the entire conference. I did edit it down for time, uh, although you will hear everything really in context. You're going to hear first from Stephen Clark, who's the head of D23, then Dave Smith of the Walt Disney Archives, and Marty Sklar of Walt Disney Imagineering. Today's an exciting day as we launched D23, the first official fan community in Disney's 85-year history. Some of you may have heard our CEO, Bob Iger, announce D23 this morning uh, during our annual shareholders meeting. So first and foremost, D23, uh, the name D23, pays homage to 1923, which is the year the Walt Disney Company was founded by Walt and his brother Roy. But just as important to that legacy truly are our fans. They're the ones who perpetuate the Disney legacy by sharing it with their friends and families over generations. And they're the ones who welcome Disney into their homes and, and really do make it a part of their lives. So basically, if it weren't for our fans, uh, we wouldn't have a Disney legacy to be celebrating here today. So over the last few years, we've actually received quite a few requests from our fans asking, you know, why there isn't and if there could be a greater connection to Disney. But sharing the incredible treasures of our vast company archive is a big part of what D23 represents, a celebration of our amazing past. We believe that Disney.com slash D23 uh, will become a premier online destination for Disney fans everywhere. Now I'll turn things over to Disney legend and Imagineering ambassador, Marty Sklar. Thanks, David. Uh, you know, I'm really excited about uh, our opportunity to share stories and experiences through the D23 magazine and, of course, the Expo in uh, September. And uh, as a result of my being the only Disney cast member to, to be at the opening of all 11 Disney parks around the world, I've got a lot of stories to share. Uh, but I think this whole uh, program really goes back to uh, something that Walt said on the dedication plaque for Disneyland. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. And I think that's what this is about. This is about your Disney for the fans. And uh, I think we're just going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, I've, I've already written one 
article, going back to my roots, where I started at Disney as a writer, uh, for the first magazine, and I've written the story for the second one. And uh, I'm putting together uh, a panel of Imagineers for the Expo in September. So, Stephen, I'm, I'm really excited about being part of this. Thanks, Marty. And uh, now uh, we have another Disney legend, uh, founder and chief archivist of the Walt Disney Company, uh, Dave Smith. Thanks, Stephen. I'd like to share a quick history of Disney fandom. In the earliest years of Disney, there were a few ways that fans could gather together to celebrate their interest. In the early 1930s, there were Mickey Mouse clubs run in movie theaters around the country, and kids could come, uh, become members. But the impetus of these clubs was really to get kids into the theaters. Similarly, in the 1950s, there was another incarnation of the Mickey Mouse Club, this time a television show, and everyone who watched was automatically a member. After the opening of Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom Club began, and while it published a quarterly magazine for Disney fans, its primary focus was Disneyland and later Walt Disney World. In 1993, the Walt Disney Collectors Society was formed, and its main focus is collectors of the beautiful classics collection of figurines. During my almost four decades in dealing with Disney fans, I have witnessed how much they enjoy everything that Disney is and stands for. I think I can speak for everyone at the archives and everyone involved in D23 across the company, and there are many of us. We're thrilled to be part of this new era in the Disney fan experience. And I know Stephen has mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. Another reason we're so excited about D23 is because we're all fans, too. And what we're creating, in many ways, is exactly what we want to see, know, and experience as fans. So for me, and for many, it will be exciting to see how D23 grows and develops in the years to come. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, you know, as I hope you can see, we're, we're pretty excited about D23, and we hope our fans will be too. There's really been an amazing support uh, and enthusiasm all around the Walt Disney Company for D23, which is why we think it will truly be the definitive, ultimate Disney fan community and experience. Okay, so I want to talk about the conference in- itself, but... Because I think it's actually very, very important when we look at D23 and the future of it. But before I do, I want to sort of outline with you guys exactly what D23 is and what its members are going to receive for those that may not know it. And uh, like I said, Disney said this is the first official community for Disney fans in the company's 85-year history. It marks the launch of a new quarterly publication called Disney 23 a new website, a new collectibles line, the archives collection, uh, which was created specifically for D23 members. And there's also going to be a signature event um, as part of a number of series of events that Disney is going to host called the D23 Expo, which is going to be held in Anaheim from September 10th through the 13th of this year. The membership include is $74.99. It includes one-year subscription to Disney 23. That's four issues. It comes out quarterly a membership certificate and a card suitable for framing and personalized, a surprise collectible gift that we don't know yet, and member merchandise. You're also going to get access to a wide assortment of archives collection pieces. Again, the D23 Expo, and then the launch of the new website, Disney.com slash 23, which allows all fans to stay connected through uh, the site for news, stories, event information, and a lot more. Uh, But before we talk about the announcement and what it is, I want to ask you guys first. Um, you're very much 
you know, a part of the online community. You post, you read. What Before the actual announcement, did you have any ideas or expectations maybe as to what D23 or, or what RU23 was or was going to be? Well, you know, Lou, when it, when it first came out, um, this was, you know, just about at the beginning of the year. Uh, and it, it really was a, you know, Disney hit a home run on this buzz campaign, you know, putting something out just to, to generate talk. And again, you know, they really hit a home run there because, oh boy, did it generate talk all right. I had a feeling that, that something was up, something like maybe a, uh, you know, not necessarily a fan club, but but something for the fans. You know, that was the, very quickly everybody kept going, okay, well, what's the 23 about? And it didn't take long for folks to guess whether it was correctly or not nobody knew but guess this reference to 1923 which of course was the year that the walt disney studios were created when when walt disney uh, agreed to make the alice films so we all kind of wondered okay well if it's related to 1923 taking that as a as a as a supposed fact what then would that mean well it's got to be something dealing with the history of the company and, and all of that so you know, there was a lot of guess about, you know, could it be a fan club? Could it be in reference to Pinocchio? Because uh, Pinocchio was coming out and released that same time. Um, so there were a number of different uh, different thoughts uh, of what it could have been. What about you, Ryan? Um, I know for me it was, um, looking at all of it, it was, okay, are you 23? And the question itself was like, well, is it going to be 23 members are selected for a group? You know, are they going to bring fans in to help with, something with the park, something with the film. I couldn't really tell what it was. I knew Pinocchio was coming out the same day they were announcing this. And it was I was trying to tie together all those threads and then, you know, like I said, the year came out, nineteen twenty three, and it was like, okay, this is a company thing, but I still didn't have the you know, the entire fan community being involved. Yeah, really. I never got the idea that it would be quite the breadth that it ended up being. I kinda thought it would be just, you know, some neat little thing that that folks could you know, maybe if it was some sort of fan club that folks could get into, and uh, and more just like a little, you know, hey, uh, if you're 23, you go buy the pen and say, hey, I'm 23, I'm I'm part of the gang, and and there you go. But it, you know, I never had any idea that it would be this big up to the point of something like the expo, which just is huge. Yeah, I had um, I had inclinations about what it was, and I specifically didn't talk about my thoughts because I I wanted to leave the suspense, I wanted to leave the reveal for March 10th. But it's very interesting because many of the theories that you guys mentioned and other ones that were online, Disney was paying very close attention to. And if you go to the Disney.com slash D23 website, there's a page that says, if you're reading the story, are you 23? And they specifically quote some of their favorite musings from the blogosphere and on the forums. And again, some of the ones that range from I mean, people were extending it out to Flight of the Navigator was was 23, and the address number of the restaurant in Ratatouille was 23, and they really tried. I mean, fans were very, very creative, um, but as time wore on, it started to get um, a little bit closer towards the mark. Um, but that actually leads me, you know, talking about Disney following along with what was going on online. Uh, I want to talk about the press conference itself, because I, I said before, I think... This was very, very important. And Ryan, as I know you were there, as were many, many people from the online community, it included podcasters and bloggers and webmasters, as well as traditional terrestrial radio and media outlets. And I think this is huge. I think this is huge because I think this goes a long way, at least in my mind, towards answering questions that we're going to talk about and address later on 
which is what I also asked during the conference when we had a choice, uh, a chance for some Q&A later on, which was how is D23 going to affect and coexist with online communities? And I think this sort of answers the questions sort of by that invitation. Ryan, what did you think um, when you had gotten the invitation initially? Initially, I thought it must have been a mistake. <laughs> I'll just say that now. I think I really thought I was under the radar. You know, I had the site, but kind of thought I was on the fringe of everything. And I get this invite, and it it immediately showed me the depth they were going to pursue the community in this and how much they watched all of it. They knew what was being said all over the place. They knew what we were writing about, what we were talking about, what we were reading about, our concerns. And they wanted everyone, you know, they knew that this was going to be the best way they had to get their message out was to hit all of these different bloggers, podcasters that continually put the content out day after day after day for them. Yeah, like I said, as we talk about D23 and what it is and what it's going to be and, and how it sort of it, it coexists with other things that are created by fans online, uh, we'll go into this a little bit more in depth. Chuck, you also had a chance to listen to the press conference itself. What were, what were some of your thoughts coming out of it? Well, first of all, I was I was quite impressed with who they brought out for this this news conference. Not only, of course, did you have Michelle Bergen, who was the, the vice president for corporate communications, but then again, Stephen Clark was the head. Dave Smith, Marty Sklar, these are you know superheroes in you know the world of Disney fandom, and so to bring out some of the big guns to talk about D twenty three, give a little bit of the history uh, about where it all started, and to kind of explain. And answer some of those questions that had started popping up immediately after the uh, after the official launch on various message boards and, and blogs and things like that, uh, and to try and answer uh, maybe some of those critics just a little bit. It was it was impressive uh, who they got out for this. I could definitely see a couple of people being starstruck. I mean, even myself. You know, these are names that you've grown up with. They're household names if you're you know a Disney historian of any of any kind. So. Yeah, it definitely was impressive. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, obviously, it was a, they were out to to release information, but the fact that they had Q&A, and again, who was on the call, who was invited to the call, uh, I think speaks volumes. But let's talk about D23 itself. Um, you know, it, it's it's being sort of heralded as this new uh, online, you know, the first official community for Disney fans in the company's history. What does that mean to you? You know, what does calling it an official community for Disney fans mean to you? Ryan, why don't you go first and then Chuck? You know, it was interesting because you had Dave Smith going through the history with the Mickey Mouse Club and all the, you know, the uh, Magic Kingdom Club, all the different components they've had before. To have that official name to it shows that we are important to them. As a community as a whole, you know, they wanted to do something to show that we were a part of them and they were a part of us. Because before this, you didn't have the same interaction. You know, we had our own official groups, and they may have been watching, but that connection wasn't there. Yeah, it was interesting because you know Dave Smith in this this news conference kind of talked about the fact that that this really is the first all inclusive fan club. And if you stop and think about that a minute, you're like, wait a minute, you know, there's the 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 Mickey Mouse, you know, the Mouseketeers. Of course, that's a, a fan club. Well, sure, that was, but that was related more to the movies. And then came some of the, like you said, uh, Ryan, the Magic Kingdom Club. And again, that was related to the parks, not about the movies. Again, a different area of Disney. Then came some stuff outside the parks with NFFC 
and then all of a sudden here come pop up all you know folks like ourselves, you know, bloggers, podcasters, all these other things. Disney never really had a great big umbrella organization where fans could get essentially a one-stop shop for all things Disney. Parks, movies, merchandise, books, you know, Disney editions, all of it in one place. And that's the interesting thing about the genesis of this. And like Dave said, what we are doing today online started back 80 years ago when people who were fans of, you know, Disney films were gathering. They were forming their own Mickey Mouse clubs that gather at theater, at theaters. I remember in the 80s when I had my little gold, do you remember the Magic Kingdom Club gold card? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what I got from it other than maybe the magazine. But I love the fact that I felt like I was a member of a club about Walt Disney World. And then, like you said, they watched that in the 80s. You know, the, these mouse clubs and the NFFC, the National Fantasy Fan Club, start to form. And then they even said, too, this was in response to fans asking for an official cl- fan club. And I think, you know, in the last maybe five years or so, they see the desire for community and interaction between fans and content from people who participate in the fan forums and the blogs. And like I said, between that and the invitation in the conference call, what Stephen Clark said is there's room for everybody. You know, we should be all be celebrating that larger Disney fan experience. So I don't think D23 is meant to take the place of or overtake or push away anything that exists now. I think it's sort of a supplement to and an, an add-on, an official add-on to what is going on in the online community and, and even offline community now. Yeah, I agree because if you you look at sort of the news cycle for D23, it's going to be a little different than what you would see for you know some of the blogs and podcasters and things like that where their news cycle is much, much shorter, much, much more rapid. D23 is going to have, you know, the, the magazine is quarterly, so that's every three months. Then you've got their their D23 Fanfare e-newsletter for subscribers. That comes out bi-weekly. You know, the website, is, I'm sure, is going to be updated frequently, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to go and have these daily, if not multi-times daily updates like some of our other, you know, some of the fan sites currently do. So if you think about that, D23 really becomes this repository of, of longer-running, more evergreen-style features as opposed to the short stuff saying, oh, hey, by the way, this attraction is going to be down for the next two days because it's on a refurb. That's not something you're going to see probably on D23. That's still something that the fan sites will probably all cover. Exactly. And you're going to get access to things that the fan sites don't have access to on a regular basis. And it's news that you're not going to get, but at the same time, it's going to supplement the things that these people are talking about. The the refurbs being down for Space Mountain, the, the historical elements that people are looking through through the parks. And at the same time, same time, you're getting the community element where, you know, I know for like myself when I joined the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society, which is in dedication of Walt's Backyard Railroad, I was, you know, I was great. I had this community. I had, we have this mission. It's this thing. And you felt like you were a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's what D23, whether or not you're an actual member or you just check out the community stuff they have online, you are a member of that D23 community. Absolutely. And something, again, to remember that for those who want to go to the D23 website, that is not you know, a member-only thing. You can go to that D23 website, whether you, you know, pony up the $75 or you don't pay a cent, that is absolutely free content. So you know, anybody can be a part of D23. Joining it officially or not, 
sometimes really doesn't matter. Exactly. And while I, I know that we have not seen all that D23 is going to be, uh, you know, I don't expect them to do things like fan forums, you know, an online community where it's just open to everybody to post because there's a lot of concerns when you have that. And I don't think Disney wants to, to get into doing that. I think they're, they're leaving that to what's out there already. And again, this supplements it. And it's not, like we said, it's not a theme park fan club. It's not a loyalty program. It's something that's positioned much more differently. It's instead, it's aimed towards fans of all things Disney in that one unit. So people who are, you know, whether your interest is in the DVC or you're a member of the Walt Disney Collector Society, there's a little something in what they're offering, I think, for everybody. And again, that we can all coexist very, very easily together and one is not meant to replace the other. Uh, Chuck, you talked about the website being free. Uh, Let's talk about the membership fee itself. Uh, It's $75, and, you know, right off the bat, why don't you tell me when you first heard that or or having time to reflect on it, first, if you guys are members, and what do you think about the the fee? Why don't you, Ryan, go ahead, you go first. The first thing I saw when I saw the fee was, I was like, okay, that is a high fee for the membership. But then my first thought was, you know, you look at the magazine price, it's $16 a month. And one of the complaints I keep hearing over and over where people are saying, I'm not going to be a member, but I'm going to buy the magazine. If you look at the math there, if you're going to buy the magazine four times a year, it's $64. For another $11, why not see what else they're offering? Um, but I was one of the people who signed up on the first day. I was really excited. I really wanted to see what this community had to offer. I signed up, and then I started reading everyone else saying, I can't pony up that. That's that's too much right now. And it made me second guess it, but I think it's one of those things where it's going to take time, and you're going to see more and more come out as the year goes on. Yeah, right. Because I was kind of the other way around on it. I started on, on D23 and and looked at it, and uh, you know, right after the announcement when the website first went live, and I kind of thought about it. Interestingly enough, I had known that the magazine was going to be at Barnes and Noble, so I I did go out to my local Barnes and Noble and picked it up just as the um, the the annual you know, meeting was taking place. You know, in fact, I've got I'm sitting there looking at it right now. And, and guys, if you haven't seen this magazine yet, it is absolutely beautiful. It is a gorgeous magazine, and and the production quality alone is. Just phenomenal. Those of you guys who thought Celebrations magazine looked really, really good, this is astounding. It's not really a, even a magazine. It's more like a, uh, a coffee table magazine hybrid. It, it's that nice of a quality. But getting back to the price, though, I was kind of the same way. I'm like, $75. Yikes. That's, that's a little hefty. You know, in, after I, you know, let it sit for a little bit, uh, you know, I ended up joining D23 about within the first 24 hours. It was the next morning. I said I kind of did the same thing, Ryan. I did the math, did the analysis. I said, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and and uh, and go ahead and sign up because I wanted to get the magazines. Now, yes, I might get one extra issue of the premiere. That's fine. This is the initial one. I'll keep an archive version of it, um, you know, for for collecting reasons. So, you know, I think it's it's worth it. Interestingly enough, some people had a problem signing up with D23, especially later that afternoon on uh, on the 10th because DisneyShopping.com crashed. Now, while we never we don't have an official reason why, I think you can put two and two together and think that the sign up for D23 was that heavy that it totally overwhelmed the website. So that may be some sort of indication of at least of the interest uh, in D23 and folks signing up. Yeah, I, like I said, I was a first day uh, member of D23 because yes, I knew I was going to get the magazine because I am one of these people that that's hungry 
for Disney content, and I was impressed at what I had seen already. So the math certainly made sense, and I wanted to get some of the other things for collectible reasons, like the membership card, like the certificate, whatever this surprise collectible gift, supposedly not a pin, is going to be. And I wanted to see what this access was going to be for the merchandise, for these special events, uh, the, the the Fanfare Eid newsletter. Um, and, and speaking of the special events, you know, already Disney has done something in addition to the D23 Expo, which is going to take place in California. Uh, yesterday, Saturday, March 14th, they had a special Disneyland D23 event already. Uh, Dave Pacheco did a product release and uh, signing celebrating the launch of D23. Uh, he was signing some of the uh, the special artwork, T-shirts and pins, some of the other merchandise they were releasing there. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of those special members-only events. I think those are going to start to happen on both coasts. Again, not the full-blown expo, but some of these all are uh, smaller special events, and, and we're going to talk more about the expo later in detail. Um, and again, when you see that, I think maybe for some people, when you see that $75 number, you say, you know, wow, maybe that is a lot. Times are tough. Uh, you know, I, I looked at it too, and I see, you know, people are still, you know, a lot of people still go out and they're spending almost $4 a day on their Vente Mocha Frappa Latte Chino every day. <laughs> so if you put they're together. are lucky you can get it for four bucks. <laughs> right. So yeah. if, you know, if you're really a Disney fan, it, it doesn't seem like it's all that much. And again, for the magazine, which I agree, Chuck, it is, I think a magazine is somewhat of a misnomer. I think it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a coffee table book poly bagged that is being sold on the magazine rack. If this was, this was sold maybe in the, the travel section or the, some other section of the bookstore, um, it might not seem like, well, I'm spending $16 for, right. um, for a magazine. But let me ask you this. Let's, let's talk about the, the dollar figure, you know, do you think is the perception that D23 is it more of is it more of a loyalty program or do you maybe look at it as an exclusive plug uh, an exclusive club so is this what people have been asking for uh, as opposed to maybe a reward for fan loyalty like a like an annual pass and maybe does the fact that it's $75 instead of $10 give you who's a member a, a certain sense of I am part of an exclusive club. It's not like I'm just watching the Mickey Mouse Club, so I'm part of it. I really, I've paid, I'm part of it, um, you know, and now I'm part of this this thing, especially now in its initial year. I think we're starting to get the feel of that. I think one of the things that was brought out by the news conference was, you know, what you see now is just the surface. There's more to come. So I think that, that it may be a little bit early to to really answer the question of how exclusive is D23 and how much of a of a true club you know this is, or is this just a kind of pay for access kind of deal? I mean, what we're seeing, if you just took it at what it was right now, absolutely nothing less. I think you've got a mix thereof. But based on what we heard in that in that news conference, I have a feeling this really is going to be an exclusive club, almost a la think club 33 just outside the parks you're right and you know we even had stephen clark in there saying there are things that they've been working on that are going to roll out in the next weeks and months that they just could not get ready for the launch you know as for myself looking at it you know it's one of those things where not everyone who surrounds me in my life is a disney person they don't understand it they look at it kind of strange but with this membership card you know it does give you a say look i'm part of a community i'm not the only one and it can kind of give you that buffer too Right, and, and there's something to that, B. 
beyond saying, hey, I'm a member of this forum or I read this blog or whatever. I am a part of something, uh, you know, here's my certificate on the wall. And I think that means something to people. And, I, and whether mm-hmm. it's for the the sense of community that they were looking for, because not everybody who is part of D23 is, is the same person that's going to post on a forum or read blogs every day. This is their chance to say, hey, I, I am part of this. I'm part of something official. There are benefits to it. And yes, I, I'm looking forward to what's coming up in the future. But that being said, I mean, I s- sort of feel an obligation to stop for a second and mention, because I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say that there have been complaints, and in some cases, a lot of them about D23 um, that bears mentioning. And I will tell you that I really tried to stay away from the negativity as much as I could because I was somebody who was and still am excited about D23. Um, and what I did read, I was unhappy about and I was disappointed about um, because I think there was an incredible amount, relatively speaking, of negativity right off the bat, um, even before it was officially announced, as if nothing, no matter what RU23 was going to be, it would not have been enough. And by saying that, just so you know, I, I think everybody is entitled to their opinion. And if you think it's too much or you don't like what you get, that's fine. I'm not here to try and convince anybody to join me one way or the other. Um, I have my opinion. I'm sure, Ryan, Chuck, yours might be different than mine. Um, but I was just kind of surprised that, that some people came out kind of guns blazing uh, about this um, and again whether it's that they didn't maybe step back and reflect and do the math say well they like you said Ryan I'm going to get the magazine does that difference of $11 really you know make much of a difference and there were so many people who were vehemently opposed to this I mean it wasn't like it was well I think I'll wait and I'll see what they'll do which there were those responses there were some people who were very tempered in the way they came to it but there were people who last you know last week when some of the magazine pieces started to slip out, some of the news started to slip out about it, were already, you know, you know, loading their guns, ready to go after this the minute the announcement was made. And, and I think it was a lot of, you know, we're not, it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. It's a merchandising campaign. It, it was just a way to get, you know, people said, it, you know, I've heard the word money grab. I've heard the word, it's just, they didn't stop and really look at what was being offered before they decided they were going to put their own spin on it. Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, I believe it was Marty Sklar in the news conference who sort of answered this this bit of criticism, and he said basically that, that D23 is more than just merchandise. This is a community for fans. They're not trying to make D23 just another way for Disney to sell just more merchandise and more stuff. It really is a community. But if you go back and think about what is the overarching mission of D23, it's a community for Disney fans, and that's all Disney fans. So, again, not just parks, not just... Uh, movies, but also those people who are Disney collectors. So the the merchandising element is that that piece for Disney collectors, and you know it's understandable where folks can get a little a uh, little bit upset about it because if you go and and on you know Disney shopping, you go actually look at some of the exclusive stuff that you can buy on D23. Some of it is really really expensive, like this. I'm looking right here at, at the website. There's a a membership exclusive framed limited edition Song of the South cell. By the way, did anybody find it interesting that they're starting to mention Song of the South again, like it actually exists? You know, but this this picture is fifteen hundred dollars. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, one thousand five hundred dollars for limited edition cell. So I, I think that you know folks saw some of these things and just went, ah, this is just a you know a merchandising thing. You know, it's important to remember about about D twenty three, and this is a response I put on on a message board somewhere that. It's important for folks to to remember this. 
D23 is an option. You're not forced to join D23. To be a Disney fan, you don't have to be part of, of D23. You can be a fan you know, with or without that membership. Really, it doesn't matter. D23 is just an option. It's just another avenue for fans to express how big of a fan they are and to, and to get you know, their Disney fix, as it were. So, you know, I understand and, and can empathize with, with some of the criticism, but just stop and remember, it's a choice. You don't have to. You don't even have to be a D23 member to go to the expo. You just get discounted uh, entrance into that expo. So just remember that, too. Right, and we're going to talk about the merchandise and the offerings and specifically about the Song of the South because you mentioned something Obviously, very much on the high end uh, of it. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of the things that's available. And again, it doesn't differ very much from many of the items that are also available in the theme parks. If you go to Art of Disney, some of those items are available there. These are things that are exclusive specifically. And, you know, it's a rhetorical question wondering, well, what would be that number? You know, what's that sweet spot number that gives people the sense that, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit more palatable for the people that are complaining but still gives other people that sense of exclusivity because, you know, words I saw on the, out, out there were underwhelming and disappointing and not worth it, overpriced. And then I got to wondering, well, where, you know, where do you draw the line? Where do you sort of make the concessions? You know, do you get less for, for your dollar figure as part of D23? Do you make a lower quality magazine? You know, because like you said, the magazine is beautiful. Maybe that's a, a good way to start talking about it specifically um, because it is... It's not a traditional monthly or even bi-monthly uh, magazine. And people have said, oh, well, you know, Lou, does this mean the death of celebrations? And, and absolutely not, not at all. And somebody even asked me, do you want to see it fail? I said, what are, you, are you crazy? I want to see it succeed because it's something completely different. And again, like the communities, we can all coexist. And just by way of example, some of the things that are in the initial issue of the 23 magazine uh, interviews with Tim Burton, who's producing the new Alice in Wonderland live-action film. Interviews with Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. There's an inside look at Up with interviews with Pete Docter, uh, Jonas Rivera. There's concept art. There's a look inside Pixar Animation Studios. There's a look inside the Cinderella Castle Suite and the Disneyland Dream Suite um, in Disneyland. There's lots of Disney history, comics, archival photos. Uh, interesting things, too, like crafts, recipes, sort of harkening back to the old Disney magazine, a lot more. It's 60 pages, and also it's a big magazine. It, it's almost like a 12 by 12 magazine, and that's why I said maybe it almost didn't look like it belonged on the magazine rack. Um, but Yeah, and, and one thing also to note about this magazine, there's not one ad in it. Not one at all. Right, and, and that bears mentioning because the magazine's newsstand price uh, is fifteen ninety nine. And if you look at it as a book and you look at it as in the fact that it has no advertising, you have to understand, and I can tell you this now as a magazine publisher, you need to pay through the magazine then through subscriptions. And while we don't have any ads and celebrations yet, too, you know, Tim and I probably cost a lot less than Annie Leibovitz does, you know, to, to produce. Um, and again, it's all these things need to be taken into consideration. And, and I look at the positioning of the magazines and there's there's other disney fan magazines out there as well I, I talk about them like i talk about podcasts and just because you listen to one doesn't mean you can't listen to the other um just because i think we're all sort of hungry for that content you know for example disney puts out travel on demand the, those very sm uh, small things which a lot of us will watch if we can 
They have that certain Disney look and feel. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go and watch Travel Channel specials or even fan-created videos on YouTube. And I think D23 is the same. It's a different way of Disney producing content about similar, uh, maybe similar topics, but in different styles and with a different focus and a different message. And one of the things with the magazine, you know, when I look at it, it reminds me of the pictorials you used to get all the time at Disney World. You know, it's that kind of photo, you know, high class photography, high class imaging. And they even mentioned in the press conference how they had, they were pulling in people to write articles. Who was their area of expertise? The person writing the article on the new Alice in Wonderland film has done all the art of Tim Burton's films books. And it, it takes it to a different caliber of magazine, like a coffee table book, like a pictorial and it it does. It deals with the same content we've looked at, but we're not going to get access to the archives for these photo files segments that they're going to run with pictures of Walt and you know Roy and all of those people. These are things that are supplementing the material that are being put out in the blogs and on the other magazines and podcasts everywhere. Yeah, if you stop and think again, this was this was brought up back in the news conference. This all started about three years ago when uh, folks were going into some some areas of the Disney archives uh, and they were just in this this huge warehouse. Uh, Stephen Clark, again, he's the head of D23, talked about this, that they just started looking at all these different things that were there just sitting on shelves and it the light kind of dawned to everybody and said, look, this is stuff that we can share with the community. This is the type of access that D23 through the magazine, through the website, through the blogs is going to give people all this incredible history that uh, that we really haven't haven't seen really since it was used. Many of the, the props that were uh, in Mary Poppins, it was it was talked about in the uh, in the uh, uh, Disney Archives article that's in the magazine. And again, you know, Ryan hit it right on the head. The photography on this is outstanding. You know, those of you who read Celebrations magazines, really, really good. Then you go look at this, and it's just that much better. I mean, the photography in this stuff is just unbelievably good. So, you know, this this the quality that you're going to see in in 23 really again really doesn't say magazine. It's it's far far more than that. Right, and like everything else, I think that they're doing with this, the content that they are producing, uh, whether it's in the magazine, whether it's on the website, is different. Uh, it, it can very much coexist with other magazines and with other. Uh, online blogs and communities and forums and, and things like that. And, and, you know, the Wall Street Journal said something that, that they think that one of the most, they said that one of the most persistent thorns in Disney's side has been the prolif- proliferation of unofficial websites and blogs. Uh, and I think this sort of flies in the face of that, showing that, especially, like I said, because of what they said in the press conference, because many of us were invited to the press conference. And because of something else that they talked about, which I think was is another huge part, something I personally am very excited about, which is the D23 Expo. Um, I think yes. it's a, a very, very important part of what they're doing. Again, September 10th through the 13th, 2009, at the Anaheim Convention Center, which is right, literally right across the street from Disneyland. They could not find a way to shoehorn everything that they want to do, that they want to do, into uh, the park itself. And some of the things that they're going to have as part of this multi-day expo, too. It is not a one-day expo. There's going to be keynote speakers, such as... You know, guys like Bob Iger, uh, Dick Cook, who's uh, the chairman of Walt Disney Pictures, uh, Jay Rizzullo, John Lasseter. Uh, There's also going to be screenings of some of the Disney Company's latest uh, films and projects. There's going to be lots of celebrities, uh, different types of performances from different areas of the company. Very important. So 
whether it's from Walt Disney Pictures, ABC, the Disney Channel, ESPN, you're going to kind of get a lot of the things. So, for example, stuff that they've been doing in the parks, like ESPN The Weekend, you're going to bring all that into this one expo. There's also going to be a fashion show from Disney Couture. Uh, there's also supposedly going to be a wedding uh, that, that takes place. there. And this, quick aside, this shows that it's just not about the theme parks. It's and why it's so strongly endorsed by all aspects of the company and why, again, it can exist, coexist with niche sites and organizations that have meets and things like that. There's going to be uh, a 50 and Fabulous Film Festival, uh, which is going to have three classic films that all turn 50, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, The Shaggy Dog, and Sleeping Beauty. Readings, signings, Q&As with a lot of authors. Um, I, I know a few that are coming, and it's that alone is very exciting. Lots of different sneak peeks and exhibits. Um, a lot of different exhibits and presentations, again, from all the different parts of the Disney, Disney family. So whether it's Disney records, the parks and resorts, consumer products, there's also going to be stores. And this is the part, guys, that I really want to... I, I want to talk about those, but this is the part of the D23 Expo that really hit me, is that there's going to be a fan forum. And it says, mm-hmm. Disney's biggest fans are invited to participate in all the action. There will be an entire convention hall for everyone to show off their collections and sell their Disney treasures. I, I, I'm going to come back to that. Let me just say, admission for the Expo is going to be $37 per person for a one-day ticket, $111 for a four-day pass. So it's going to be four days. Uh, D23 members are going to get a discount. The website's going to be um, Disney.com, obviously, slash... Uh, sorry, it's D23 Expo. I have to go back to the fan forum because this is what I was... I, I think is huge... I think it was uh, unexpected and very, very, very welcome. The fact that they're going to have outside and fan communities participating in this, I think, is monster. Oh, absolutely. If you stop and think about it, why are all car dealerships located together? Well, it's because they all mutually help each other. Just because you might not buy a car at one dealership, you go across the street and buy at the other one, the situation may be reversed the other way. This is applying this same theory to D23. They're going to get all of the fan sites uh, all together. A question was asked in the news conference, can fan sites exhibit at the expo, even different than than from the you know the true fan forum where they're asking to show off collections and sell fan sites you know like like this one will be able to go and and actually have uh, have their own tables uh, at the expo. I think Disney has truly embraced all the fan sites because they're realizing that hey, you know, we're doing the job of spreading the the good news about Disney for them. So instead of fighting, why don't they work with you? And, and I think this is a clear indication that that Disney is going to embrace all the fan sites uh, and and bring them in and say, look, you know, what can we do to help you? Another ag- again example of that, even before we ever heard of D twenty three, was was the whole Celebrations twenty five efforts. So you know, I think this is just an extension. Uh, of Disney's willingness to work with the fan communities because, you know, we're the guests that go to the parks time and time again, go see the movies time and time again, buy the merchandise time and time again. I think you're right. So, you know, we are the ones who spread this news out there and, and spread it around and tell them, tell everyone, you know, this is what we see, this is what we like, all these great things. And when I heard the fact that they were going to have, you know, communities and had their own area in the form. I think I sent you an email immediately, Lou. It was like, hey, I'll help you with your booth if you can get me out there. But it, it, and it was the question I had walking into the press conference. 
was this a one-time event? They were going to call us, let us be part of the first the official launch, talk to everyone then, and then just forget about us, drop us to the wayside. And it was immediately made made apparent that no, we are you know they are firmly rooted in our communities. We are firmly rooted in their communities, and there is that room for all of us to survive. And one of the things that Stephen Clark had mentioned was they worked really hard to try to get this to be inside of Disneyland and couldn't get it worked out. Trying to look at the logistics of an event of this size, it would have basically shut down the parks, and that's probably why they couldn't have done it that way. They had to go over to the Anaheim Convention Center. But it's because this the group is going to come out in that much, that much force, whether you're a D23 member or you're a California resident coming in for the day or you're somebody who's not a member of the of the official fan club but you're still that member of the Disney community. Yeah, and in fact, Disney has already, in the news conference, uh, Disney already said that, that there are plans to do packages to go with the expo for, for tickets, uh, meaning Disneyland ticket packages, uh, and special hotel rates. Not only hotel rates on property, but even also off property. Disney is working with some of those partner off property resorts to get special hotel rates for D23 attendees. So, you know, again, they're looking, they're thinking about everybody and, you know, you can already see that the expo has gotten so big that it's now too big for Disneyland. And think about it. I mean, if anybody who's listening has ever been to a trade show, either one that you went because you are, were interested in the topics or because your boss made you go and exhibit, or think about a trade show like that with nothing but Disney, with Disney officially being there, with other fan communities being there, with things like the NFFC and Disney collectibles being sold there, almost like in a, in a swap meet style format in, in their own section. Being able to hear and see Bob Iger and John Lasseter give keynote speeches, see some of the other things that Disney is releasing, and more importantly, being surrounded by, for four days, across the street from Disneyland, by like-minded, passionate Disney fans. This, to me, was one of the biggest highlights of the entire D23 campaign. Yeah, it really is incredible. Can you tell them a little excited about it? (laughs) Yeah, Lou, I mean, you know, if, I'd really like you to get into this. I mean, you know, this is big. You know, it's okay to get excited. Uh, you know, one of the other things that was that was asked at the news conference, I think it's important to to uh, to bring up here, given the fact that this is the WDW radio show, is that that for at least the initial plans are to have this expo out in Anaheim, out in California, probably for the first four years. And then after that, uh, the plans are to start looking at possibly going elsewhere, including Walt Disney World, including maybe the, some of the international parks. Right, and, and, and that's actually the question that I asked, uh, my multi-part question that I asked. Look, I only got one 15 shot. 15 parts and a question. Way to go there, Lou. <laughs> yeah, they were taking notes on that. It was great to listen to them. Like, um, um. I knew I was only going to get one question in, so Lord, the lawyer in me threw out a multi-parter. But I asked part of it specifically about travel, you know, and like you said, Chuck, it will be in Anaheim for the next four years. It'll likely alternate with Disney World and then possibly international as well. And that makes complete sense because as time goes on, as the club begins to take off, get new members and expand, it will come over to Walt Disney World. And you'd expect too that that in time they would have something maybe in Disneyland Resort Paris. Not only for the people overseas, and remember, there's a huge, huge UK market and an international market that comes specifically to Walt Disney World. But think about how it will entice members, maybe, from the United States who are members of D23, now have yet another reason to go over, see that resort for the first time, take part in the expo that they hold there, a little bit of extra motivation, maybe, too, to head on over and see another Disney theme park. 
and in the meantime, what we're going to have are the special events at all these other places and, you know, across the globe that are going to bring people into the parks and, you know, as smaller versions of the expo. You know, I know for myself seeing, you know, hearing the word wedding with that was an exciting thing. I'm like, oh, you know, who are we going to have? Who are we going to see married? Is it Mickey and Minnie for the final, you know, finally after all these years? Is it, if they, are they going to give the fans that? You know, what celebrities are engaged? And you, know, you start thinking the possibilities and it's just an amazing event that, that's, you know, that they're going to have annually for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, it was another part, I think it was part 12 of Lou's 15 part question that he <laughs> asked about, you know, will there be, you know, D23 events at the parks, you know, meaning, you know, aside from just the expo. And they said, well, that's that's yet to be announced. You kind of read between the lines there. And I think the answer to that is yes, we just aren't ready to say anything. Uh, so I think that, you know, the expo is just kind of the big one, but there's going to be a bunch of smaller things uh, in and among uh, this the whole year for, for D23. And even in the past couple of years, you've seen with even, you know, if you're an annual pass holder, they've been stepping up the quality and the quantity of events you've seen as an annual pass holder, and I think that may have been a prelude to what we're going to see with D23 rolling out these special events. Right, and part, like, 17A, subsection B, of the, the question that I asked Here. was that this obviously is a great way for Disney fans, and D23 members or not, to get together and interact at the expo. And I asked if there was going to be other ways, trying to see what other things that Disney might have in store. And they said, you know, there's this vast world of, of all kinds of stories and perspectives, and they acknowledge and don't pretend to be the only one. They specifically said that there is room for everyone, although there will be more interactive uh, elements coming, including maybe some uh, merchandise that interacts in the parks. But I think it answers a big question and maybe allays some fears that people had, which is that, again, the fan communities, and I think the maybe the events that they hold together in the parks, out of the parks, they are not going to go away. They are not trying to replace what the fans are doing. They're just adding another level of experience and another level of content to it. And and speaking of that, I mentioned before, this sort of changes how Disney becomes a content provider. That being said, they have done things like the Moms panel, which I think it was a big leap forward for them because no longer... Do they have sort of specific control over exactly what is put up and what's said on an official website? Because they do want to offer content other than what's being and coming from maybe the marketing teams. But again, they're not, I think, ready to take that leap to open up the floodgates, as it might be, to the one official fan interactive forum, like you were saying before, Ryan, that that content is not going to come instantly from fans like that. That's why all these things can and will work, I think, very, very well together and feed off one, off one another very, very well. I think it's one of those things where it's, it's going to take some time to find that symbiotic relationship. You know, Disney said, there's room for everyone. We, you know, we're not the only people out here. We know that all of you help us. All of you create things for us, for the community to enjoy. And then you had the, the same time you had, you know, pieces of the community going, this is not enough. It's too pricey. And so it's going to take time to find that balance between okay, this is what we are, this is what we are, this is how we fit together. But you know that on day one, on day 10, maybe even the first three, six months, Disney is not going to or willing to or able to show their entire hand. I mean, they they said it in the press conference, there is a lot more coming. And I think, you know, we're going to see, it is sort of a wait-and-see attitude to see, but I think there is a lot more coming. Um, but the one thing with that we didn't touch on that I, that I didn't want to... Uh, you know, not mention 
was the merchandise. Um, and the merchandise, uh, I think, is definitely worth talking about because there is specific D23 clothes, there's pins, there is a lot more that you can find on the site. There is movie-inspired dinnerware, like there's Sleeping Beauty-inspired dinnerware. Uh, people keep talking about, Chuck, you mentioned the uh, the cell, keep talking about things like the $850 pen, which is part of the Walt exclusive stationery collection. Yes, mm -hmm. they are taking that most extreme example of what's available, maybe instead of looking at everything else that's being offered. And my feeling is, you know, people have always wanted access to more exclusive merchandise, more adult merchandise, maybe things that we haven't seen before, and you're getting it. And, and Chuck, what you said before, the limited edition Song of the South Cell, you know, that maybe at the price point is not where they might be, but for some people, that's what they were looking for. And again, there's more, I'm telling you, there's much more merchandise that's coming, you know, and they talked about things like the snow globe reproduction from Mary Poppins, stuff from yep. Tron. When he said stuff from Tron, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, that, <laughs> oh, yeah, I immediately lot, perked up, too. I'm like, ooh, yeah. hey. Right. And a lot more theme park merchandise is definitely going to be coming. Definitely, without a doubt. And again, you can, and I and I went to, to, you know, I didn't mean to kind of pick on the Song of the South Cell because it is probably the most expensive thing that, that's out there. But you go and look at some of the regular merchandise that they do have. There are some pins. You know, we just kind of talked about pen trading and things like that. There are exclusive membership pins and they do have charter year in fact you go look at at the the one there's the the tinkerbell uh charter year pin and and actually there's going to be a series of those uh that are going to be coming out uh throughout the year so there's going to be a total of 10 d23 charter year pins uh they run about 20 dollars right now which is a little expensive for a pen it's more than your average pen but not nuts that's not you know, totally out of the realm of, of possibility for a pen. It is finished in in a, in a gold finish. I'm sure it's not like you know, 24 karat gold or anything like that. But you know, these are some of the D23 items that I think you know when folks go and look at them, they're really going to like. Uh, also, you get to the to the tees and the and the t-shirts and the clothes uh, that are out there. There's some some very nice uh, apparel that's out there as well. Uh, for those of you you know in, in the working world that you know you can get away with wearing uh, you know say golf shirts and polos, they have a really nice uh, Pima cotton polo uh, that only runs about thirty-five dollars, and for a you know a polo shirt that's that's got the D twenty-three logo on there, guys, that's really not that bad uh, as far as a price. So you know some of the the things that are out there are are actually pretty nice and fairly reasonably priced, especially when you when you're thinking about where it's coming from. And then you see things like the the t-shirts that say "Are you twenty-three? It's just a plain black t-shirt, but it's running you know nineteen ninety-five which is honestly cheaper than most of the shirts you can find in the parks right now. Yeah. But on the flip side, when you're seeing the you know, Walt Disney Archives collection and these cells and these you know, limited edition you know, figurines, that's nothing different. You know, well, it's different, but it's the same kind of things you would see at the Art of Disney all over Walt Disney World. And I love to go into the Art of Disney and, and look around and go, go, I'd love that on my wall and I'd love that on my desk. And oh, right, oh yeah. I'm a teacher, and I don't make that kind of money. <laughs> it's, it's it's always with you in your budget, you know. But I could go and buy a T-shirt or one of the pins, and it's no more burden than if I went to you know down to my local mall. Right, and the the, the merchandise runs the gamut, and I think too. Again, we're asking to be members of this sort of exclusive club, get exclusive merchandise. Look at some of the things that they have in there. Things that are based on movies like Sleeping Beauty, like Fantasia, like Mulan, like Song of the South. Merchandise that has not been really available before, but it's, you know, I'm happy you mentioned the RU23 t-shirt 
because it's not to me about the 1995. It's about that sense of community because the guy that wears that shirt to the park and as you're walking by him on Main Street USA in Walt Disney World, you're going to see him and you're going to smile at him because you know you guys are both part of this Disney club that maybe not other every other guest in the park knows about. Uh, and there's that sense of community that you get just by yeah. seeing that guy wearing the shirt. It's similar to the community meets you have now when everyone has on the same lanyard, you know, those blue lanyards, yellow lanyards, whatever the event is you're there for. You'll walk by and you'll start talking to someone you don't even know because you know you're part of that group. You're both members in that kind of community. Right. And that's why you want to buy the shirt with three words on it. Are you 20? I mean, it's a black shirt with are you 23? But it means something to you because you are proud to be part of this group and part of the community. And I think, too, I think they will be and I think they already are listening to fans. I think they will definitely be producing more of what people are clamoring for. Again, we're looking at this four days after the store opens. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, I think we will see a lot more of what I think a lot of us have been hoping for. And, you know, for those people that that maybe have been complaining or negative, I'm curious as to what they want to see. Like, what are they not seeing in here that they would like to see? And maybe, you know, don't discount it just yet or make what you want to have seen you know shown known because i think disney is definitely listening oh without a doubt and in fact you know this is another going back to the news conference that was a question that was asked was can fan members actually become part of the d23 executive team and you know the folks around the table at disney kind of all went wow you know that's actually a pretty good idea we're gonna have to really think about that and how we might be able to to take advantage of that they it sounded like they were very interested in that again i think that's another example of just how how much they want the fans to be part of D23 and, and help contribute to D23's success. And it shows how much they are listening. You know, you're right. Put it out there, you know, what you want to see. But when that question got brought up and they were like, oh, you know, we hadn't thought of that. That's a great idea. We're going to have to work on that. It's because they are listening. They do want – they know they don't have the only ideas. They know that, you know, their little think tank isn't the only one out there and that these great ideas on what's going to boost the community – are going to come from all sorts of sources and things that they haven't even thought of yet. Right. They are watching. They are listening. They are learning, more importantly. Uh, and it again, they are watching not in a you know negative, shut down that website kind of way, but learning about what we as fans and Disney enthusiasts want to see and want that community maybe to become. And I think as time goes by and that group continues to grow, we will watch it obviously very closely. Uh, we're going to learn more about it. We're going to know more about the direction that's going and what they have planned. Again, everything was not rolled out uh, on day one. And my feeling about it, and again, I'm not trying to convince people one way or the other, is that I wanted to give it a shot. And I think a lot of people should maybe give it a shot, um, see how it pans out. Because, you know, if you don't like it after a year, if you're not satisfied, other than the fact that you now have your, your four beautiful magazines, you know, and the collectibles and the merchandise that, again, Someday down the road, you know, maybe maybe collectible, then you don't have to continue on. But at least you could know that you were, I hate to sound overly dramatic, but a part of history um, and a part of something official like this, you know, such a, a far extension from those original Mickey Mouse Club days. Yeah, definitely. In fact, you know, one important thing to think about that is that, you know, if you do decide to give D23 a shot for a year, uh, it is only a year, and then anybody who is, you know, this time next year thinking about re-signing up, you have to do that. It's it's an 
you have to, to take the option to go to D23. They will not automatically renew it. So, you know, that's one way that, again, I think they're, they're trying to be cognizant to the fans who maybe want to just give this a one-time shot and then, well, you know, if it, if it didn't meet the expectations, it'll just run its course and, and off you go. I just want to really quickly mention that the, the membership fee is an individual membership fee. So if there are four people in your household and you don't want to sign up for everybody, maybe everybody's not going to participate in everything or take the advantage of it, you just want to get one copy of the magazine, you, do, you can just sign up for one individual membership you know, in order to get advantage of the thing and then see sort of how, to, how it plays out after that. Definitely. It's something that, you know, my wife is not going to be a member, but she's she's already tried to, you know, paw the magazine away from me a couple of times because she sees something in there that caught her eye, you know. But but at the same time, when that year rolls around for everyone, you know, what have they come up with? And maybe it's not everyone's cup of tea, but what about the people who waited and said, no, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to take a more calm approach. And then they like what they see and then they're getting new members. And like we said, the community is going to grow, you know whether you sign up today, tomorrow, next year. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And remember that, that it, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, you're still thinking about it, you got lots of time to think about it still to become even that charter member because you'll be a charter member up until the last day of, of 2009. If you join any time in 2009, you're still considered a charter member. So, you know, there's, there, you're right, Ryan. There really isn't any rush to get out there and, and go grab this, uh, this opportunity, you know, just right off the bat if you don't feel comfortable with it exactly yeah take some time look at the magazine look at what look at all the free content they have on the website with you know the the ask dave segments and the you know pieces of the videos and the d society and see what they have and then make your decision yeah exactly because i think as the community grows it's also going to evolve and again i think it's not something that disney has a roadmap for and it's going to be static I think we'll continue to improve, and I, I absolutely want to hear from you, the listener, whether you want to post in the forums. I'll, I'll put links in all the show notes this week to some forums that have already been started. I'd love to hear you call into the voicemail, voice your opinion about D23. Are you a charter member? Are you on the fence? Do you not expect to join? If so, why? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. That's 888 Guys, I have to thank you so very much for taking the time to chat with me about this. Again, please go and visit both of these guys' blogs. They are wonderful. Ryan is over at MainStreetGazette.com. That's MainStGazette.com. Chuck's is the Disney Daddy, and he is at DisneyDaddy.blogspot.com. Guys, thanks so much. Uh, glad to be there. And, and Lou, I'm proud to say, yes, I am 23. I told you I was 23. I, I've been saying I was 23. <laughs> That the question is, are our wives but... telling us that they're 23, you know, just to, just to appease us. But it's been wonderful being <laughs> here with both of you guys. Thank you. And just so you know, fellas, you now have reason for the quote-unquote research trip to Disneyland in September. I will see you. I will see you at the expo. Sounds right. good. It's time to announce the winner of last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest. Thank you again to all of you who played and who entered. Again, phenomenal job getting not only all the questions correct, but many of you got the bonus as well. Before I announce the winner, 
and the prizes, let's recap last week's questions. First, what was the name of the now-extinct cocktail lounge and bar at the Disney MGM Studios, which was accessible only by stairs or elevator? And most of you got this correct. It was the Catwalk Bar. It was located above the old soundstage restaurant, which is now used for Playhouse Disney. You could reach it by stairway and by an elevator uh, between the soundstage restaurant and now the Brown Derby. You can still see the stairs are there, although they are roped off. Number two, what daytime show in Walt Disney World featured performers and effects on land, on the water, and in the air, and included a quote-unquote carousel of color? And I was looking for Surprise in the Skies. That was opened in October of 1991 to celebrate Walt Disney World's 20th anniversary. It was a very special, very unique water and air show. Took place on the World Showcase Lagoon. It had hang gliders and jet skis, uh, paraplanes piloted by Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, a lot of different characters. There were also different aqua kites that were connected to a series of smaller kites. There was also... On land, the land portion were these giant jack-in-the-boxes in front of the different nations' pavilions, which popped open to reveal giant balloons shaped like Mickey and Minnie, Pooh, uh, Pinocchio, Chip, and Dale, and each one was themed to the nation that it represented. So, for example, in front of Norway, you had a giant goofy character dressed like a Viking. Uh, the show closed with a daytime fireworks display, which at the time was the largest in the world, and uh, although the show is gone, you can actually still hear some of the music from the air battle sequence uh, in the Interventions Fountain over in Future World. So, uh, again, surprise in the sky, what I was looking for there. And number three, where in the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World could you once find live animals? And I didn't mean the birds or ducks or things like that. I also didn't mean Discovery Island. That's why I highlighted Magic Kingdom as part of an attraction. And what I was looking for here was Goofy's Wiseacre Farm. Uh, that actually used to be a petting zoo called Grandma's Duck Farm. There was a cow there. The star of the show, really, was Minnie Moo. She was a cow that had a, a giant, not-so-hidden Mickey uh, spot on her side. And when obviously, when the barnstormer was added to Toontown, the petting zoo and Minnie Moo moved on to greener pastures around 2002. And for the bonus question, again, you did not need to get it right in order to qualify for the prize. I asked you to do something a little bit different this week, which was identify a sound clip and tell me where in the world you had heard it. If you weren't sure exactly what it was, here it is. A little bit more to give you an idea. See if you can get it with this clue. Solar salutations, fashion fanatics. I'm Ray Cathode on fashion. The hot news at the Mars shows is color. Just look at these fabulous flight suits and plush pastels. It's like a bouquet in orbit. And their high visibility comes in handy when you find yourself drifting away from the mothership. Hats are big this year. I don't mean popular. I mean big. Designer Betsy Neptune went really retro with this number, as in retro rocket. My dear, I hope that hairspray is flame retardant. This has been Ray Cathode with the Interplanetary Fashion Report. Until next time. You might recognize that from the queue of Space Mountain. Back when FedEx was still the sponsor, there was this TV show and commercials that used to play in the queue. If you remember that voice, 
That was Otho from Beetlejuice, better known as Glenn Shadix, the actor. So congratulations to everybody who got all those correct. I hope you had fun with it. And our winner this week, who was drawn randomly from all of the correct entries, is going to get the 2009 Walt Disney World Trivia Page a Day Desk Calendar, the Main Street USA Audio Guide to Walt Disney World on CD, and a WDW Radio Show button. And our winner this week is Ashley Oaks. Ashley, congratulations. You got all three of the questions correct, but unfortunately you did not get the bonus question correct. That's all right. Send me your address and I'll get your prizes out to you right away. Thank you again to everybody who played, but now on to this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest. This week's contest is going to be a little bit different because first, you're not going to get three questions. You're going to get more and you're not going to have one week to answer. You're going to have two because I will be away in Walt Disney World next weekend. So I'm going to give you more questions and more time. Here we go. Let's get started with your first question. You know that I love, or loved, Horizons. But before it opened under that name, what was its working title? Number two. What were the names of the bird and the robot in the Bird and the Robot show? Number three. What fireworks display did Wishes replace? Number four. The Discovery River in Disney's Animal Kingdom was once home to a boat ride, or should I say three of them, as it opened and closed a number of times, each with a slightly different name. What were the three names of the Discovery River boat rides? Number five. If you enter the mill on Tom Sawyer's Island and not just look, but listen carefully, you can hear creaks and groans playing what song? Number six. In Star Tours, what is your flight number for your trip to the moon of Endor? And number seven. Where in the world have you heard this? Main Mouse Mickey's feeling kind of tricky but the way he's always getting around. Go Hey there, hi there. Three cheers now. Tell me who's been the mouse in the house for all these years. I let that clip run a little bit longer than I had expected. I don't know if it was really my my odd fascination with that piece of music or maybe just wanted to give you a little bit more of a clue. But uh, So there you go. There are your seven questions. Remember, you need to get all of them correct in order for your entry to be put into the pool. I will randomly select one from there. That will be our prize winner in two weeks. But like I've been doing in the past, I'm going to give you a bonus question. And you don't need to get the bonus question correct in order to be entered, but you do obviously need to have all the other answers correct in order to to win the bonus prize. So here you go. Here is your bonus question for the week. As you ply the rivers of America on the Liberty Square Riverboat and think back to its former name and the other ship that once sailed these waters along with it and after whom they were christened, you may also recall what other boats bore those names along a different body of water. Now, if you take the number of passengers that the current boat can hold and divide that by the number of feet deep the rivers of America really are, tell me what type of fictional building occupies the first floor inside the fort on Tom Sawyer Island. I won't even try and repeat that, but that is your bonus question. And this week, 
The prize winner will get, again, the 2009 Walt Disney World Trivia Page A Day Desk Calendar, the audio guide to Main Street USA on CD, and a WDW radio button. And you know what? Since there's more questions and more time, and since nobody got the bonus question right last week, I'm going to make that prize part of this week's prize package as well. I've been telling you that I'm packing, I'm purging, I'm clearing out a lot of my collectibles, finding some duplicates of some items that I have. So this week, in addition to those three things, I'm also going to include two glow-in-the-dark Haunted Mansion figures. One of the Mariner, one of the Hitchhiking Ghost. They are unopened, they're in their boxes, they're fun collectibles, little sort of action figure type things. You will get all of that as part of your prize package. And you know what? I'll even tell you what the bonus prize is going to be because I think it's something a little bit special because you can't just walk into a store and buy it. And if you get the bonus question correct on top of the other seven, I'm going to throw in a Club 33 pin. It's available only at Disneyland's exclusive private club. So if you get the bonus question correct, you can win the Club 33 pin as well. Now, like I said earlier, you're going to have two weeks uh, this time to enter. So you'll have until 11.59 p.m. on Saturday, March 28th, 2009, to email your answer. Again, one per person per email, please, to lou at wdwradio.com. Remember, just one winner who will be selected randomly from all the correct entries. So it's more important to be right than it is to be first. Thank you again for playing. I hope you're having fun with these. Good luck and have fun. Thanks again for tuning in this week. That's all the time we have. Thanks, as always, to my guests, Ryan Wilson from MainStreetGazette.com and Chuck from DisneyDaddy.blogspot.com. A couple of quick announcements before we end the show. Don't forget about the Everest Adventurers Weekend. From September 24th through the 27th, 2009, we are renting out the Adventurers Club for a private show and a dinner on Thursday, September 24th. There are special package rates, including three-night stay, tickets for the dinner and the show, and much, much more. Remember, that's also the weekend of the Expedition Everest Challenge, the opening of Food and Wine Festival. Lots of reasons to come down. For more information, you can find the link at www.radio.com. That'll take you over to Mouse Fan Travel for a free, no-obligation quote. Quick reminder, speaking of getting together, if you are going to be in Walt Disney World this coming weekend, March 21st, our next Meet of the Month is going to take place on Saturday, March 21st at 2 p.m. We're going to be meeting in Epcot's World Showcase in France near the bridge heading towards the U.K. We'll be starting out around 2 o'clock. We should be there for a little more than an hour or so. So if you're late, that's okay. Come on by. Say hi. I would love to have the chance to meet you. Again, that's also the first day of the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival. So it's a great time to come down to the parks. No RSVP required, but if you want to, I'll put a link to the forums and to a Facebook group where you can RSVP there if you like. And if you can't make it down this weekend, that's okay. You know that when I get down to Walt Disney World, I love to try and stay connected as much as possible, bring you as much of the magic as much as possible. So please be sure you follow my updates on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash I'll let you know where I am in the parks, what I'm doing. I also love to play my Where in the World Am I game. I'll take photos from in and around Walt Disney World, ask you to try and identify where in the world I am. I usually do that a number of times 
throughout the day on my trip. And again, with Twitter, you can get updates either by email, on your cell phone, however you want to play. And if you're my friend on Facebook, that'll also automatically update my status so you can play via Facebook as well. And be sure and definitely stay tuned for my trip this week to Twitter, to Facebook, to the website, because uh, I'm going to be doing something new that I've been planning each day of my trip as well. So definitely stay tuned to the site and those places as well for that. Also look out for the date for the next WDW Radio Live audio and video broadcast with chat. I'll be doing that soon. I'll post that again in the forums, on Facebook, pretty much everywhere. And speaking of video, please come by the WDWRadio.com website this week and stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook because I will be posting a new video in the next couple of days of my culinary experiences at the United Kingdom's Rose and Crown Pub in Epcot. I had a chance to talk to the manager, the head chef. A lot of fun. Again, that video should be up on the homepage and in the video section of WDWRadio.com in the next couple of days. And a quick thanks, as always, to all of my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, All-Star Vacation Homes, Owner's Locker. Be sure and check out the website for links to all of them. And as you may know, if you joined in one of the WDW Radio Live shows, uh, I am actually uh, I'm following the dream, and I am moving to Florida uh, next month. And uh, a couple of listeners from New Jersey, one in particular, really wanted to try and, uh, much to my surprise, do some sort of a, a farewell get-together. So... If you're in New Jersey uh, on Saturday, March 28th, uh, between 12 and 2, we're just going to get together very, very casually over at the Menlo Park Mall Food Court in Edison, New Jersey. And like I said, that's being put together uh, by listeners and some people from the Dream Team. So if you're around, maybe can't get down to Disney, want to just come out and and say hi and goodbye, I guess, (laughs) for a couple of hours, please come by uh, on the 28th. I'll put links to this in the show notes as well. Don't forget that if you want your question answered on the air, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or better yet, if you want to be heard on the air, call the voicemail toll-free, 888-703-2171. Please come by, visit the all-new WDW Radio website. It's now been consolidated, like I said, with DisneyWorldTrivia.com. There's articles, news, trivia, games. The forums are there. There's lots of stuff going on. And, of course, as always, if you guys like the show, I just ask that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. I really do appreciate it. I hope to meet many of you uh, next weekend in Walt Disney World and connect with a lot of you through all the different things that I'm doing. Again, guys, have a great weekend. Thank you so very much for listening. More importantly, always remember, keep moving forward. So until next time, see ya. Hello, Lou and fellow Walt Disney World radio listeners. As you may or may not know, our friend Lou soon will be packing his bags and moving from the Great Garden State for sunnier, snow-free winters in Florida. To thank him for all of his work and to send him off in Jersey style, we are hosting an informal mini-meet at the Menlo Park Mall Food Court in Edison, New Jersey, on Saturday, March 28th from 12 to 2 p.m. You can find more information and links to the mall in the forums or just under the Disney Meets thread. If you're in the New Jersey area, we hope you can join us for a fun couple of hours to send Lou our best wishes. If you have any questions, feel free to leave us a question in the forum. Hope to see you there. Take care. Hey, Lou. It's Erica, uh, Coasty Girl on the forum. And I'm calling from the line on Peter Pan's flight. I'm here with my mother, father, brother, and my six-month-old little girl. And I just wanted to call. I ran the Princess Half Marathon this morning with my dad and my brother. 
And we're having a great time here at the Magic Kingdom right now. And I just wanted to give a big shout-out to my dad, who helped me run the marathon, stayed with me the whole time. So just wanted to call, tell you we had a great time, and that the inaugural Half Princess Marathon was great. All right. Thanks, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou. This is Glenn from Coleman, Alabama, first-time caller. But I've been listening to your show for a long time. Absolutely love it. I'm sitting out in front of Test Track right now. The monorail just went by, and the sun's going down over Epcot. Uh, my son, who's five, is in line uh, for uh, riding test track with my wife, and I'm sitting here with my two-year-old, and we're doing the rider switch option. And when we leave here, we're going to Hollywood Studios for a showing that late showing of Fantasmic, which I can't wait to see. It's been since uh, it's been about nine years since I've been to Disney World, and I've really become involved with uh, with Disney. Uh, I've really become a, a Disney geek actually in the last nine years, and so it's fantastic to be back here in Disney. Uh, since my love of Disney has grown so much, and um, your show has sure inspired me a whole lot to get to know more about Disney and the great things that go on here. But we're having a, a great time, and uh, wish you could be here with us, and I'd love to hang out with you a little bit at the park. But I just wanted to say hey from the park. Love the show. Keep up the good work. See ya. Hi, this is Emily. We just... We are in Disneyland, and we just walked on two, and we're about to go to the new Pixie Hollow there. So visit Pixie Hollow. Bye. Hello. This is Jim Hines. How you doing? It's uh, J-E-H-I-7278 on the forums. Uh, just listening to your podcast this morning about the Virgin Megastore closings and what uh, that prime piece of real estate uh, down there in the uh, downtown Disney, what there should be uh, put there. I have two words for you. Adventurers Club. That's it. Adventurers Club. So I think that's what they should put there. Uh, love you, love your show. Keep up the good work. And uh, hope to see you in Disney World sometime. Take it easy, Lou. Hi, Lou. This is Johnny from Philadelphia. I just want to let you know, if you didn't know already, the two names of the new cruise ships are the Disney Dream and the Disney Fantasy. One will be rolling out in 2011. The other one will be rolling out in 2012. Thanks a lot. Keep up the great show. Enjoy listening every week. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Lou. How are you doing? Um, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm a long-time listener, and... um. And I love the um, Tim Foster segment with um, the top ten things about Tomorrowland. And I thought of one. I really like the um, Tomorrowland um, Space Mountain dioramas after the ride's over. I really like those. They're kind of futuristic tea and all that sort of stuff. Well, my name is Bailey George, and I live in Roebuck, South Carolina. See you later, Lou. Hi, Lou. This is Elliot from Sacramento, and I was just calling to say um, that uh, we enjoyed meeting you at the uh, Meet of the Month back in February at Flame Tree Barbecue. But I also wanted to say I was listening to Episode 107 when you and uh, Tim Foster were talking about the top ten things you uh, love about Tomorrowland, and I think you guys missed one. And for me, that's uh, Push, the talking trash can. Uh, I look for him every time I see him, or I look for him every time I go to Tomorrowland. And um, I think he'd be actually a nice guest for you to get on one of your podcast shows someday. So, anyway, something to think about. 
Um, love the podcast and love the new website. So hope you're doing good. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Louis. Josh from Michigan again. So um, I was uh, one of my favorite segments on your show is the Top Ten with Tim segment. So I was calling in to suggest a top ten list. I know that you've done a smells and tastes and spookiest moments and everything, and those are always my favorites with uh, Hugh and Tim Foster. So one that I was suggesting, I don't know if there has been ten parades in the whole uh, 30-some years that the park has been around, but how about you do a top ten parade segment? I think that would be really cool with all the parades, like a... There's Mickey's Jam and Jungle Parade, Share a Dream Come True, Boo to You, Spectral Magic, and uh, you can judge on the uh, music, the quality of the floats and the characters and everything. So uh, just suggesting that, and if you wanted to do that, I think that would be really cool. So thanks. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Jody Fox. Just wanted to say I was glad to see you again at the meet of the month last month. Uh, we just got off the Disney Wonder yesterday, which uh, where they announced the names of the new ships, the Dreams and Fantasy. Uh, I hope to see you again, hypothetically, of course, on another cruise. Uh, take care and keep up the good work. 